Chapter 49 of The Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. Chapter 49 The Heir of the Fairfields. At dead of night, Alice was very ill, and Tom was called up to ride across Cressley Common for the Wickford doctor. Worse and worse she grew. In this unknown danger, without support of a husband's love or consolation, the pains of hell gat hold of her, and the fear of death was upon her. Glad was she in her lonely terrors to hear the friendly voice of Dr. Willett as he came up the stairs with a heavy, booted step, in hurried conversation with old Dulcibella Crane, who had gone down to meet him on hearing the sound of his arrival. In lower tones the doctor put his questions when he had arrived in his patient's room, and his manner became stern and his measures prompt, and it was plain that he was very much alarmed. Alice Fairfield was in danger, in so great danger, that he would have called in the Hatherdent doctor or any other to share his responsibility, if the horse which Tom drove had not had as much as he could to do that night in the long trot, and partly canter to Wickford and back again to the Grange. Alice's danger increased, and her state became so alarming that the doctor was afraid to leave his patient, and stayed that night at the Grange. In the morning he sent Tom to Hatherton with a summons for his brother physician, and now this quaint household grew thoroughly alarmed. The lady was past the effort of speaking, almost of thinking, and lay like a white image in her bed. Old Dulcibella happily had charge of the money, not much, which Alice had for present use, so the doctors had their fees and were gone, and Dr. Willett of Wickford was to come again in the evening, leaving his patient, as he said, quieter, but still in a very precarious state. When the Wickford doctor returned, he found her again too ill to think of leaving her. At midnight, Tom was obliged to mount and ride away to Hatherton for the other doctor. Before the Hatherton doctor had reached the Grange, however, a tiny voice was crying there. A little spirit had come, a scion of the Fairfield race. Mrs. Tarnley wrote to Harry Fairfield, too, wyvern to announce the event, which she did thus. Sir? Master Harry, it has come a surprise. Mrs. is this morning give birth to a boy and heir, baby's well, but Mrs. Fairfield low and dangerous. Your servant, Mildred Tarnley. Dulcibella, without consulting Mildred any more than Mildred did her, wrote also a letter, gentler and more gracious, but certainly no better spelled. When these reached Wyvern, Harry was from home. It was not till four days had passed that Harry Fairfield arrived in the afternoon. He had thrown his horse's bridle to Tom in the stable-yard, and appeared suddenly before Mildred Tarnley in the kitchen door. "'Well, how's the lady in the straw?' inquired Harry, looking uncomfortable but smiling his best. "'How is Miss Alice?' "'Mrs. Fairfield's very bad, and the doctor hadn't much hopes of her. She lies at God's mercy, sir.' "'She'll be better, you'll find. She'll be all right soon. When was it? You put no date on your note.' "'On Friday, I think. We're so put about here I scarce know one day from t'other. 
She'll be better. Is any one here with her? A nurse from Hatherton. No one else? I thought Lady Windale might have come. I was going to send over there, but Dr. Willett said no. Did he? Why? Not yet a bit. He says she'd be in his way and no use, and maybe work her into her fever. Very likely, said Harry. Isn't it a boy? Boy, yes, sir, a fine-thumping baby, and like to do well, and will prove be like a true open-handed Fairfield and a brave squire of Wyvern. Well, that is as may be. I'll not trouble him. I've more than enough to my share as it is, and there's some things that's better never than late, and I'll live and die a bachelor. I've more years than my teeth shows. Harry smiled and showed his fine teeth. "'There's Fairfields took a wife later than you,' said she, eyeing him darkly. "'Too wise, old girl. You'll not catch me at that work. Wives is like Flanders mares, as the squire says, fairest afar off.' "'Hey!' snarled old Mildred, with a prolonged note. "'No, lass, I don't want, know how, to be squire of Wyvern. There's more pains than gains in it. Always one thing or t'other wrong, one begs and t'other robs, and ten cusses to one blessin'. I don't want folks to say o' me, as they does of some, Harry's a hog, and does no good till he dies. Folk do like an estate, though, said Mildred, with another shrewd look. Aye, if all's straight and clear, but I don't like debts and bother, and I have seen how the old boy's worried that way till he's fit to drown himself in the pond. I can do something, buying or selling, and little and often, you know, fills the purse. Mildred was silent. They do say, I mean, I knows it for certain, there is a screw loose, and if you know where, I think. But how can I help that? The Dutch woman, I know, can prove her marriage to poor Charlie. But never you blab, no more will I. There was no child of that marriage, neither chick nor child, so being as she is, tis little to her how that sow's handled. "'Twould be a pity poor Charlie's son should lose his own. "'And you may tell Alice I'm glad there's a boy, "'and that she'll have no trouble from me, "'but all the help I can, and that's a fact, and that's God's truth.' "'Well, well, that is queer. "'I never heard a man speak as you speak.' "'There was a cynical incredulity in Mildred Tarnley's tone. "'Listen now, here we be alone, eh?' said he, looking around. "'You may say so.' said she with a discontented emphasis. I tell you a thing in a minute, old Tarnley, only they say old vessels must leak. Will you be staunch? Will you hold your tongue, aunt, if I tell you a thing? Aye, said Mildred, because one barking dog sets all the street to barking, you know, he added. You know me well, Master Harry. I could hold my tongue always when there was a need. And that's the reason I'm going to talk to you, said Harry, and no one knows it mind, but yourself, and if it gets out, I'll know who to blame. Don't get out for me, said Mildred, looking hard at him. One devil drubs another, they say, and if the young squire upstairs has a foot in the mud, I've one in the mire, said Harry. If his hat has a hole, my shoe has another. It is a bad bargain where both are losers. Well, I can't see it, no how. I don't know what you're driving at, but I think you're no fool, Master Harry, you never was that, and it's a cunning part, I've heard, to play the fool well. And Harry did look very cunning, as she sighted this saw, and for a moment also a little put out. But he quickly resumed, and staring in her face surlily, said he, 
Well, I am cunning. I hope I am. And you're a little bit that way yourself, old Mildred. No fool, anyway, that I ever could see. Crafty, I may be. I ha' lived years and seen folk enough to make me, but my heart weren't set never on pelf. A thousand pounds and a battle of hay is all one at doomsday. So it is, said he. But there's a good many days twixt this and doomsday yet, and money'll do more than my lord's letter any place, and I'll not deny I'd like wiven well enough if my hand were free to lay on it, but I ha thought it well over, and it wouldn't fit me nohow, I can't. You're the first Fairfield I ever heard say that the wiven wouldn't fit him, said she. Is that beer in the jug? he asked, nodding towards a brown jug that stood on the dresser. Yes, sir. Would you like a drink? Aye, if it bain't stale. Fresh true, just as you was coming in, sir, said she, setting it down on the table. I'll fetch ye a glass. Never mind a glass. A ranting dog like me can drink out of a well bucket, much less a brown jug, and clutching it carelessly by the handle, he quaffed as long and deep a draught as his ancestor namesake might after his exhausting flight from Worcester a couple of hundred years before. You are puzzled, old girl, and don't know whether I be in jest or earnest, but good or bad, wives must be had, you know, and you never heard of a Fairfield man yet that was lucky in a wife, or hadn't a screw loose, some time about they sought a cattle. And you are an old servant, Mildred, and though you be a bit testy, you're true, and I may tell you things I wouldn't tell no one, not the governor, not my little finger. I'd burn my shirt if it knew, and ye won't tell no one upon your soul, and as ye hope to be saved. I can keep counsel. I'm good at that, said Mildred. Well, I need not say no more than this. There's them that's quiet enough now, and will be, that if they thought I was squire a wyvern, I'd make the world too hot to hold me. I'd rather be Harry Fairfield, at fair and market, than Archbishop of Hell, I can tell you, having no liking for fine tattles and honour, and glory, with a tethered leg and a sore heart, better to go your own gate, and eat your mouthful where you find it, than go in gold with a broken back, that's all, and that's truth. If twas otherwise, I'd be down in the mouth, I can tell you, about the young gentleman upstairs, and I had a liked his birthday no better than a shepherd loves a bright candlemas. But, as it is, no matter. Tis better to me than a pot of gold, and I drink the little chap's health, and I wish she had a sieve full of them, and that's God's truth as I stand here. And Harry backed the declaration with an oath. Well, I believe you, Harry, said Mildred. And I'm glad, Ot, she added after a pause. I'm very glad. There's been ill blood over much in the family, she resumed. It's time there should be peace and brotherhood. God knows, and I'm glad to hear you speak like that, sir. And so saying, she extended her dark, hard palm to him, and he took it and laughed. Every man knows where his own shoe pinches, said he. Tis a shrewish world, old girl, and there's warts and chilblains where no one guesses, but things won't be forever. Tis a long lane, you know has no turning, and the burr won't stick always. Aye, aye, Master Harry, as I've heard the old folks say, be the day never so long, at last cometh even song. And how is the lady herself? said he. As bad as can be, a most, answered Mildred. Who says so? 
he asked. The doctor, he has no opinion of her. I'm afraid, poor little thing. The doctor, does he? But is he any good? It's Dr. Willett of Wickford. He's thought a deal of by most folk down here. I don't know, I'm sure, but he seems very nice about her. I think, and kind, and looks after the baby too. That's right, I'm glad of that. I'd pay something myself rather than it should be neglected. But what does he say, oh, the boy? Doing very well. Nothing against him. But, you know, tis only a few days, and all soon to judge yet a bit. I wonder, could she see me for a minute? Hoot, man! How come that into your head? Why, the room's dark. She never speaks above whisper, and not five words then, and only, maybe, thrice in a day. You don't know what way she is. "'Tis just the turn of a halfpenny whether she'll live till morning.' "'That's bad. I didn't think she could be that bad,' said he. "'She is, then. "'Twould do her no harm to know that there's some rent, about thirty pounds, due from Riddleswake. "'I'll give Tom a bit of a note to Farmer Wycroft, and he'll pay it. "'It's settled to her for her life, I know that, and she'll be wanting money, and see you that the child wants nothing.' I have lots of reasons why that child should do well. This ain't bad beer, I can tell you. Another mug of it wouldn't hurt me. If you can make me out a mouthful of anything, I'm beastly hungry. A bit of cold corned beef, some cheese, and a loaf Mildred Tarnley produced, and Harry made a hearty meal in the kitchen, not disturbing that engrossing business by conversation, while old Mildred went to and fro into the scullery and back again, and busied herself about her saucepans and dishes. Now get me a pen and ink and a bit of paper. There's no one in the house will be worse of a little money, and I'll write that note. And so he did, and handed it to Mildred, with the air of a prince who was bestowing a gift. There, that will make the mare go for a while longer. And look ye, where's old Darcy Bella Crane? I'd like to shake hands with her before I go. Upstairs, we're her mistress. Tell her to come down and see me for a minute, and mind, old Tarnley, ye must write to me often, to-morrow, and the next day, and where's my hat? On my head, by Jove, and so on, for if anything should happen, if little Alice should founder, you know, there should be someone, when she's off the hooks, to look after things a bit, and the governor won't do nothing. Put that out of your head, and twill all fall on my shoulders, and send her down to me, old Dulcibella Crane. I mean, for I'm going, and unless I'm wanted, I mayn't see ye here for many a day. Thus charged, Mildred Tarnley went away, and in a few minutes old Dulcibella appeared. From her, after he had examined her as to the state of the lady upstairs and of her baby, he exacted the same promise as that which Mildred had made him, a promise right often to Wyvern. He did not mind making her the same odd confidence which he had made to Mildred. There was no need, he thought, for Darcy Bella was soft-hearted, and somewhat soft-headed too, by no means given to suspicion, and as she had not the evil that attends shrewdness, neither had she the reliability, and she was too much given to talking, and his secret would then become more public than he cared to make it. "'And tell the mistress I wish her joy, do you mind?' and I'd like to stand godfather to the boy whenever the christening is, and to put me to any work she thinks I'm fit for, and tell her I wrote about a handful of rent that's coming to her, and good-bye, and take care of yourself. And who's nursing the baby? We feeds it with goat's milk, and sitch like by direction the doctor. 
Wouldn't you like to see it? Not this time, I'm off. But who's taking charge of him? Amongst us the poor little darling is, but mostly me. Well, that's right, and look after it well, and I'll give you a bit of money, when, when it's on a little, and don't forget to write, and you needn't say now to old Mildred, for she's going to write too, and might take half if she knew that you was writing also, do you see? Yes, Master Harry, surely none shall know, and I'm thinking ye would like to see it, and it would be nothing the worse ye'll find, and it is such a darling. And it's so like it's poor Papa that's gone, eh? But I haven't no time, dear, this bout, and you may give his worship my kind regards, and tell him the more he thrives the better I'm pleased. And old chimneys won't stand for ever, and he won't be long kept out of his own, and I'll keep them aloof that would make or meddle or mar, and good-bye, old Darcy Crane, and mind what I said. And clapping her on the shoulder with his strong hand, he smiled after his fashion, and wagged his head, and strode into the yard, mounted his horse, and was soon far away on the road from Carwell Grange. End of chapter 39